Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Down the blind, Andrew Jones. Inside for Elba. Elba will score. Elba will score. G'day guys, welcome back to the Rugby League Guru Podcast. All last week, the theme was going through the 100 most dramatic moments in rugby league history. This is a magazine produced by The Telegraph in 2007, so it accounts all the dramatic moments from 1907, essentially, to the very, very beginning of rugby league, all the way to 2007. As I said last week, I'm going to go through the most dramatic moments since 2007. And I think I said last week uh, that I was going to do a top 10, which in my mind seemed like a good idea, seemed like good fun, make some good content for the weekend. I sat down, I started doing it, and it almost put me in a straitjacket. It was incredibly difficult. I ended up getting down to about 15 moments, and there was another 10 or so that I left out that I thought, geez, do they deserve to be here? Should they be in there? Shouldn't they? Very difficult stuff. I ended up deciding that, I would narrow it down to my top five. And I've got my five in order. I'm still so far from convinced that I've got the right five. And I'm even further from convinced that I've got that top five in the correct order. I'll be very interested to hear what you guys think, where I've got it right, where I've got it wrong. I've got my top five. Then I've got about 10 or 12 others that are outside of that, that I think that... There's especially three or four of these that probably could have walked into the top five. Uh, Just depends sort of what it comes down to. Now... Top five that I have got, which I'll get into in a minute. Uh, a lot of them are their moments, but they they have a lasting impact. There's a couple there that I, there was a few, few moments that I've sort of combined into the same moment. You'll understand what I'm talking about soon. But that was the reality of the hundred most dramatic moments in rugby league as well. I mean, number one was the Dragons' 11 year premiership run. Not really a moment, but it was a moment in time. And I guess that's what I've gone for here a few times. A couple of moments in time. Uh, that have had an impact on rugby league over a long period of time. So really enjoyed getting into this top five. We're going to get into that in a second. But the ones that just missed out for me, here's a list of some of the moments that missed out from 2007 till now, the most dramatic moments rugby league has seen. 
Probably one of the hardest ones to leave out was Alex McKinnon. Uh, this had an unbelievable impact on the rugby league community. I'm going to say 2013, 2014, around that mark, obviously when Wayne Bennett was coaching at the Newcastle Knights against the Melbourne Storm down there. Uh, just a heartbreaking moment in rugby league. We had rise for Alex round for a couple of years there, and it was just sensational. And Alex is obviously not completed his journey. His journey is still going to be going for a very long time, but the success that he has achieved and where he's got to the point in his life is just sensational to see. I believe he's got two kids now. He's on the board up there at Newcastle working uh, as a junior development officer. So a, a terrible story that sort of turned into something great. Uh, Alex McKinnon, obviously, he has lost so much, but a moment in rugby league that will never be forgotten, a moment that the entire game held its breath. Uh, for a long time there, it was a pretty scary time. So Alex McKinnon, he was really hard to leave out, probably the hardest to leave out of my top five. Another one that came to mind, 2019, Origin 3, James Tedesco scores the match-winning try on the bell. I was lucky enough to be there for that moment, so I remember that and just thinking how insane it was. Um, so it was one that I could consider for the top five, but I sort of came down to, I was probably being a little bit biased because I was there for that moment. It was just incredible to watch. There's a number of things that go into that. Pierce, he throws one of the passes in that play that sort of puts them into space. Pierce, there's obviously a long, long narrative there of his origin history. So for him to come up with that moment was sensational. Blake Ferguson, another redemption story to get back into that team, throwing the pass into Teddy, who scores a try to win that game a few months later he scores try to win the grand final uh, 2019-2018 was just an unbelievable period in time for James Tedesco in which he wins two premierships in that time as well uh, just unbelievable scenes there so that boy corner try that had to be considered there we just mentioned the grand final of uh, 2019 and of course six again this was another one that just missed out uh, I probably had this one ranked six, seven, eight around that mark but if you told me it had to be in the top five I really wouldn't push back on you the six again call was massive in that grand final. Personally, I don't think it decided the grand final like a lot of people uh, like to suggest. There was a lot, you know, there's another 79 minutes and 45 seconds in that game that could have been won and lost in. But no doubt it was a big moment in that grand final. It was something we talked about for a very long time and still do. Uh, also, in that grand final period, you had Cooper Cronk, 2018, coming into that game against his former club, coming into that game with this big rivalry with Cameron Smith. He was under, under an injury cloud all week and then he played the game as a passenger essentially not using his shoulder the entire game comes out after it the actual impact and the situation he was in the couple of roosters like Craig Fitzgibbon we had on the podcast talking about that week and they just had no idea if he was going to play or not they really didn't know uh, they did you know with a few days to go and they just worked around him and of course coming up against the Melbourne Storm not only his former club but the club that targets your weakness better than anyone ever has before so we all expected them to get to Cooper Cronk that entire game he managed to sort of hide away from it to some extent and just direct his team around the field I, a lot of people say to me Oh, he didn't do anything in that grand final. But the fact that he was on the field, that champion rooster side decided we need this guy with half an arm on the field to help us beat the Melbourne Storm, which is just incredible. We're going to throw away essentially a player just to have his voice on the field. It was like the under-8s with the, uh, with the uh, best player's dad on the field helping out, pointing people in the right directions. Incredible stuff that week there from Cooper Cronk. Uh, a couple of State of Origin moments, which we'll get to soon again, but another one was Paul Galen and Nate Miles. This one had to be right up there. This sort of changed the face of rugby league. Uh, the punch that sort of ended the punch in rugby league that Paul Galen threw at Nate Miles. After this, it was all sort of ruled out. It sort of changed Origin forever. We saw Payne Haas and Tino th throw a couple of punches uh, a year or so ago, and that was huge. But this moment, 
this is where rugby league they sort of drew a line in the sand and said we're not going to have any more of this sort of physical violence in our game so that one really stood out for me uh, we mentioned already the six again Cooper Cronk's injury uh, the Roosters back to back it's something that we will sort of touch on in our top five but not really uh, but this Roosters back to back of course the first team to do it since the Broncos in the early 90s a couple of teams had the opportunity to do it in this time uh, the Melbourne Storm the Manly Seagulls these sort of sides had the chance to do it a couple of times but weren't quite able to get the job done so back to back pretty special there uh, take you back to just the year after the 100 year magazine was brought out 2008 uh, the centenary of rugby league and of course Cameron Smith he gets suspended uh, grand final week which was just unbelievable they of course go on to play the Manly Seagulls they get beat 40-0 in that game Cooper Cron captains them in that one no Cameron Smith it was one of the biggest stories of all time in rugby league it was huge another one that was hard to leave out but Cameron Smith features in our top five for a different reason. But Cameron Smith being ruled out of the 08 Grand Final, a massive moment in rugby league history. Of course, one of the years that the Melbourne Storm were going for back-to-back, they did win it in 07, defeating the Manly Seagulls. But uh, I think the Cameron Smith suspension, I wouldn't say he's a 40-point player, uh, but I think his impact on that game would have been huge, to be perfectly honest with you. Uh, Speaking of the Melbourne Storm and the Manly Seagulls, the Battle of Brookie, this is one that I strongly considered. I just couldn't put it above uh, my other top five, but an incredible moment, just crazy. I heard Darcy Lussick on the Scopes podcast talking about it the other day. Uh, Just unreal scenes. Adam Blair, Glenn Stewart end up being the two that we remember it for, walking off the field, and they go at it again, and then the Manly boys come come charging in and it's probably for the best that Brett Stewart he came flying in and threw a punch and thank god he missed because he probably would have killed Adam Blair in that moment so a controversial moment that really really laid the platform well it it was already existing but it just took it to a new level that whole Manly Seagulls Melbourne Storm uh, rivalry and I think that still exists today as well which is sensational to see so Battle of Brookie a moment that I'll never forget I still remember the pub and the seat I was sitting in uh, when I was watching that it was unbelievable Uh, the last one that that we're going to put in. Didn't get a feature, though, was, of course, the peptide scandal. That was wild uh, in the mid-2010s. The Cronulla Sharks, Shandor Earl, a heap of guys were impacted by this. Uh, it really... Um put a bad shadow across the game for a long time. Shane Flanagan also fell on his sword for a period of time there. Uh, pretty ugly scenes there. So Peptides one that was also one we had to touch on but didn't quite make it into our top five. Now we're going to kick off our top five starting with number five. Number five. At number five we have a couple of moments that I refer to as the drought breakers. Now we mentioned the Sydney Roosters. They went back to back in 2018-2019. An unbelievable achievement. First time since the Brisbane Broncos so I'm going to feature them in this one but these two it comes down to two main grand finals and I was lucky enough to be there for for both of them the first one came in 2014 the South Sydney Rabbitohs winning their first premiership since 1971 incredible stuff an incredible night to be out there obviously myself not a South Sydney fan but living in the South Sydney region uh, the effect on the community was unbelievable there's a lot more that goes into that as well yes it was the first premiership they'd won since 71 but they'd also only come back into the competition 12 years earlier after uh, being left out of the 01 and the 2000 competition which was just unprecedented for uh, one of the foundation clubs of South Sydney Rabbitohs and one of the strongest jerseys if not the strongest icon and jersey in rugby league so the 2014 South Sydney Rabbitohs Sam Burgess as well another iconic moment in that game he does his jaw in the first you know five minutes which takes us back 
to John Sattler in the 1970s, doing the exact same thing in the grand final, essentially playing it out, taking out man of the match honors. Incredible stuff there. You have the Greg Inglis narrative as well, which we will touch on soon, but you also have a heap of local juniors playing for the South Sydney Rabbitohs that year. Off the top of my head, we're talking Dylan Walker, Alex Johnson, Adam Reynolds, Johnny Sutton, the skipper. So a heap of storylines going into that one. For me, the drought-breaking moments, these things matter, and this is these are the moments that rugby league is built off. That was in 2014. Then, of course, two years later, 2016, we have another drought broken. The Cronulla Sharks win their first ever premiership, which was just incredible under Shane Flanagan, led by their co- their captain, Paul Gallon, the Sharkies. Uh, you know, the, the old joke about turning the porch light off and whatnot. They'd been in a couple of grand finals over the years. They got close a couple of times. They lost in 2002. The week before, they had a few of those other moments throughout the years. The last few years, they'd got close. And then they had, you know, James Maloney and Mick Ennis walked into this team and all of a sudden, they sort of changed. Andrew Fafita, for me, he was the best player on the field in the 2016 grand Grand final had some controversy during the season. Personally, I think Luke Lewis, I think Luke Lewis played well enough to deserve a Clive Churchill. But for me, Andrew Fafita should have been the Clive Churchill medalist. I think it was uh, politics that probably took that that uh, that award away from him. Realistically, not saying that Luke Lewis didn't deserve it, but for me. If you put that game in a vacuum, take politics out of it, I think Andrew Fafita, he comes up with the biggest play in Cronulla Sharks history, without a doubt. And I still think it's a top 10 moment in NRL history. Andrew Fafita scoring that try was incredible against the Melbourne Storm. You could just feel the Storm. They were starting to turn the gears. And as we all know, with the Melbourne Storm, especially during that period, when they start to turn the gears, it's very hard to come back from. So the Cronulla Sharks winning their first ever premiership in 2016. For me, number five, it has to be the drought breakers that we saw during this period. The Roosters going back-to-back, but more importantly, the Rabbitohs winning their first premiership in, what is it, 40-odd years in 2014, and the Cronulla Sharks winning their first ever premiership in 2016. Number four. Probably a controversial one and a pretty underrated one, in my opinion, when you look back at the context of this moment. For me, this one, a much more recent one, uh, the 2020 NRL Grand Final. Of course, the Melbourne Storm, they win this premiership. They knock over the Penrith Panthers in the Grand Final. Uh, But for me, I'll always remember this one as Cameron Smith's last ever game. And of course, Cameron Smith, he goes out a winner. Now, I've always said, if you want to tell me Andrew Johns is the best play ever, I won't argue with you. But I think Cameron Smith has to be number two on your list. Personally, I've got Cameron Smith as number one just in front of Joey, uh, but I wouldn't argue with you if you had Joey in front of him, as I've said a couple of times. But the last game of, in my opinion, the greatest player we've ever seen, Cam Smith, this was incredible. Now, you've got to remember... 2020, the rules started to change. It was a young man game, young man's game. This Penrith Panthers team that was built for these modern day rules, young bodies full of energy. The game is faster than it ever has been for about 25 years or so. And all of a sudden, this Penrith team they burst in the grand final. We get to grand final night, and once again, it's the oldest, it's potentially the slowest, but it's the smartest guy on the field that was the difference. Now, Ryan Pappenhausen, he got the Clive Churchill Medal that night. For me, Cameron Smith was the best player on the field. I think it was sports bet. They paid out on Cameron Smith uh, to win the Clive Churchill at halftime. That's how impressive he was. And dare I say, 
he got better in the second half. Now, he wouldn't have had the stats and everything in the second half, but we got to a point where the Penrith Panthers, they were starting to get a roll on. Melbourne were starting to move away from their games. There was a couple of offloads and kicks and silly sort of shit, very un-Melbourne stuff that was happening to the Melbourne Storm. And Cameron Smith, he took over in the last 20 minutes. He guided them through a period there where they had less players on the field. They had stuff going against them. Penrith were on a momentum roll. Cameron Smith, he just guided his team through it. Now, just to remind you what Cameron Smith achieved, achieved in the lead up to that game. Now, he played 430 first grade games across 19 seasons, which is unbelievable. Uh, he was the Ron McAuliffe medal winner 05, 07, 13 and 15. So over 10 years, he won it four times. He was the Dallium Hooker of the Year 06, 08, 11, 12, 13, 16, 17 and 19. So over a 13 year period, he was the Dallium Hooker of the Year seven times. The best in his position. Incredible. And you also need to consider that that Dallian positional award it's given based on points he also had Cooper Cronk and Billy Slater stealing points off him his entire career still managed to get it 7 out of 13 which is unbelievable Dallian player of the year 2016-2017 once again 11 years apart pretty impressive also consider during that time how many times he was the best in his position but Slater and Cronk were taking points off him and how many of those years Slater and Cronk actually won the Dallian themselves I think it was 3 of those years so pretty impressive stuff Dallian represented player 07, 11, 13, 16, four times in nine years there. Golden Boot winner 2007, 2017. Pretty impressive. Ten years apart, being the best player in the world. I don't put a heap of value in the Golden Boot Award, but still something to consider. Wally Lewis medal 07, 11, 13, 16. Uh, Dallium captain of the year 11, 13, 17, 18, and 19. Pretty impressive record for Cameron Smith, including, what is it, four or five premierships, potentially take it down to three or two off the top of my head based on the salary cap drama. We'll touch on that a little bit later. I'm sure that won't be a shock to you. But Cameron Smith, to go out on top in his last game, I think he was 37 years old at that point, to win that premiership and to have as much control in that game as he did when the modern game was just more and more suited to younger bodies, I thought it was just incredible. Now... We don't look back, really, at that being the moment that we said goodbye to Cameron Smith because we didn't know at that point. We thought we did. We were pretty confident we did because, remember, the week before that, he was chaired around Suncorp Stadium, his farewell to Queensland as we know it now, as we assumed it was then, but we didn't know for sure. Then, of course, during that preseason, and this is why I sort of dragged this moment out a little bit, here he is kicking balls up on the Gold Coast. He's showing up to parks up there on the sunny Gold Coast with 10 and 12 footballs, kicking into corners, just completely toying with everyone leading to us to think he may sign with the Gold Coast Titans of season 2021. Eventually, he does announce his retirement. For me, Cam Smith's the best player we have ever seen. I've got him just slightly above Joey. As I always say, if you tell me it's Joey, I won't argue with you. But Cameron Smith, one of the greatest players we've ever seen. You cannot possibly argue that. For me, the greatest player we've ever seen. To see him go out as a champion on that night, it was just incredible. For me, he probably should have got that Clive Churchill medal and I'll always stand by he should have got it in 2017 as well. He was beaten by the fullback for the Melbourne Storm on both occasions there, one being Ryan Pappenhausen, one being Billy Slater. Personally, I believe Billy Slater won it that night off the back of the narrative returning from injury. I don't think Slater didn't deserve it, but personally, I think Smith deserved it more. He just owned the big stage as Cameron Smith, and to see him go out a winner in the 2020 Grand Final with... COVID, new rules, everything. A 36, 37-year-old should not be dominating the game like Cameron Smith did that night. It just shows his greatness. 
Number three. Potentially the greatest grand final we've ever seen, but without a doubt, the greatest grand final of this era, 2007 and beyond. It was the 2015 NRL grand final. Now, earlier we spoke about drought breakers. We purposely left out the Cowboys because of this moment. I know a few of you would have been screaming into your radios, into your iPhones, whatever the hell you're listening on, horn, whatever device it is, because, of course, the Cowboys, they win their first premiership in 2015. A pretty special night taking on the Brisbane Broncos. It was an all-Queensland grand final. I've spoken about it a couple times on the podcast. I was lucky to be there that night and just an incredible moment. Normally after a grand final, you go to the pub after out there at Homebush and everyone is walking on eggshells. Half of the people are celebrating, half of them are crying and looking for stinks and it can just be an absolute nightmare out there. But i got to tell you that night, sitting in the pub there after, just watching Broncos fans going up to the bar, buying beers for Cowboys fans, saying congratulations, enjoy the win, and Cowboys fans buying them beers back. It was like nothing else I've seen before, a sensational moment in rugby league. I had a couple of spare tickets that day, and I remember I sold them online, and I was sitting at the game with a couple of mates. We had two spare tickets with us, and some people brought them online. They met me at the game. I gave it to them. They came and sat next to us. Nice people. Think think they were um, tourists or something, and I'll never forget with five minutes to go, they said, oh, we're going to hit the road. We're going to boot the traffic. And I said, look, you've come this far. How about you just stay and watch the end of the game? This is really close. Anything could happen here. And they said, nah, we're good. We're going to hit the road. And of course, they missed Michael Morgan setting up Kyle Felt. It went to extra time. And then they missed Thurston kicking the field goal. Unbelievable moment. I had to go and find my Gumtree account after them, after and message them and say, did you happen to see it? And they said, no we were on the train. We were the only ones on the train. Just crazy to think about. Unbelievable. I don't even know why there was trains running, leaving Homebush before that game was finished. But anyway, unbelievable moment there. And look, I know we all think Thurston, and if you listen to this podcast, you hear it every single day, Jonathan Thurston, because we've got it in the audio to our, uh, our podcast intro there. But... I've got to give credit to Michael Morgan. I've always said I think it is a top two play of all time alongside Joey Johns in 97. I think what Michael Morgan did on that last play to send that game to extra time was incredible. I always argue that Joey, at least he had to play the ball, he had the opportunity to look up and take on the line. Michael Morgan got the ball standing still, had to run 60 metres sideways and create something out of absolutely nothing. It was a set defensive line that he had to go into and come up with a one-handed flick around the corner. Just an unbelievable moment to come up with, especially when Thurston, all the eyes are in, he gets charged down. He does well to get the ball away to Morgan, no doubt about it. But the play that he comes up with there, just the individual brilliance that Morgan gets. If you watch that play in slow motion, and I just, I would love to be inside the head of Michael Morgan in that moment. How on earth he identified that there was an opportunity there. I think it's just simply incredible. So as much as we remember this moment for Thurston, we will touch on that now, you've got to give credit to Michael Morgan. I, I think it's the most underrated play in rugby league history because we all remember the Thurston field goal. We get to extra time. Of course, we kick off Ben Hunt. He knocks the ball on. Cowboys are in a prime position to win this game. And for me, when I look back on the career of Jonathan Thurston, I think he's got four M's. That's more than anyone else's won. He's a Queensland great. He's a state of origin great. I think there's an argument there that Thurston could be the best origin player we've ever seen. I think he's definitely right up there with Wally and with Joey. I think he simply has to be in that conversation. Yeah, some of the performances he came up with during that eight-year run, just unbelievable from JT. But it was always in the NRL that he never quite had that trophy. Yes, the trophy in 2004, in a raw and honest way, and don't get butthurt, Thurston fans, 
He shouldn't have been in that team. If it wasn't for Steve Bryce not playing, he wouldn't have been in that team. Uh, that that trophy, that belonged to Brayton Astor and Brent Sherwin. Yeah, they were the two premier hair halves at the time. Uh, the Bulldogs, they decided they didn't need Thurston because they had Sherwin and an Astor. And hindsight heroes will say that's the worst decision ever. You don't realize how good or you've forgotten how good Thurst and uh, how good Sherwin and an Astor were at the time. They were premiership winners. They beat the Sydney Roosters in that grand final. Red hot favorites that have been in three grand finals in a row. So... Scoff all you want. Anasta and Sherwin, they were one hell of a combo. Of course, he went to the Cowboys. They lost in 2005, just the year after he won his first Dally M there. Took him a long time to get back to grand final day. What was it? 10 years. Pretty crazy. And I always look back at Thurston's career, and a lot of people say he should be an immortal, and I'm sort of on the fence of it. If he is an immortal, you won't hear complaints from me, but I think there's a couple of guys that probably should be in front of him realistically. But I think it's really hard to argue that Thurston should be an immortal if he doesn't win this game. And the only reason why he was in that position, in my opinion, was off the back of Michael Morgan's brilliance. Because Thurston's grand final, it really wasn't that spectacular. When you look back at it, it wasn't a great game for him. It was far from his best. He did get unlucky at one moment where he should have set up a try for Kane Lynette, but he dropped the ball. So there is that side to it as well, that Thurston got unlucky to some extent. But it was far from his best game of football. And personally... For me, if that game went for 79 minutes and 50 seconds, uh, I think Anthony Milford wins a Clive Churchill medal that night. So Brisbane, they played incredibly well. You've got to remember, the Brisbane Broncos had never lost a grand final. Uh, this was Justin Hodges' last game in the NRL as well. He was a skipper of this side, so it meant a lot to them. Wayne Bennett, he'd also never lost a grand final as well. So a massive moment. The Cowboys also being the little brother, defeating the big brother. Sensational stuff. It's probably pushed Thurston into the immortal category. I think without that premiership, it's probably hard to argue he should be there. But the theatre around that moment, uh, the way that he handed it himself after the game as well with his daughter and everything out on the field, just incredible stuff by JT. Shows the sort of champion that he is. But that moment there is one that we will never forget and one that I was lucky enough to be there for. The 2015 Grand Final has to be in the top three most dramatic moments for me. Number two. Coming in second on my list is a moment that lasts for almost a decade. So controversial one here. I know people will push back on saying that this is a stupid one for me to pick but for me I couldn't separate these two and I don't think you can have one without the other now this moment starts in 2006 Brett Hodgson he gets into dummy half playing in origin down there in Melbourne throws a wayward dummy half pass and Lockyer comes up with an unbelievable intercept half volley pick up and scores for Queensland to win and from that moment on it starts a dynasty that I don't think we'll ever see equaled. I'm not sure if we'll ever see it halved, to be perfectly honest with you, with the way that Origin has played. Uh, State of Origin, the Queensland Maroons, the run that they went on, started by Darren Lockyer in 2006. Now, you've got to remember some of the history here that series in the lead up to it, Mal Meninga had sort of said to a couple of the leadership guys, hey, you need to win this or you're done. Yeah, the Blues, they won three in a row. Yeah, they had a couple of champions return. Obviously, uh, they won the 03 series, 04. You had Brad Fittler coming out of retirement, 05. You had Joey come out of retirement. All good and well, it's origin. And Queensland, all they know in origin is winning. And for them to be losing three on the trot, embarrassing for them. Completely embarrassing. So Mal Meningri put his key players on alert that this could be your last game in Maroon. Darren Lockyer comes up with a huge play. They win the 06 series. They go on to win seven more after that. So 
eight series victories in a row. Now, they weren't all whitewashers. There was a couple of close calls there, but eight series in a row in a two-horse race where it's state of origin, the greatest contest of all time. I remember at some point after about the 25-year mark, there was like four points separating these two teams over 25 years, which is just incredible. And for the Maroons to win eight series in a row, Unbelievable. Coached by Mal Meninga, led by first Darren Lockyer, second Cameron Smith. Obviously had an elite group of players in in this system. So, you know, there's arguably five or six guys you could say could be immortals. Darren Lockyer, there's an argument he should be an immortal, and I think he probably should be. Cameron Smith, for me, he's a shit-in to be an immortal. You've got Jonathan Thurston, you could argue should be an immortal. I'm on the fence of that one, as I said earlier, but I won't push back on anyone that says JT should be an immortal. GI, another guy that potentially could be an immortal. He probably just misses for me, but another guy that could be right up there. Cooper Cronk, another one that, in my opinion, probably has done enough to be an immortal. Not sure whether he will or no, and I know a lot of people like to push back on that, but winners win, and what these guys achieved over this eight-year period was incredible. The forward pack changed a lot, always had, you know, those key sort of guys in the pack that were there for a long time in the early days, and then it moved forward into, you know, your Matt Scotts, uh, your Petro Seven-Seven, you know, these sort of guys that just were so incredible. They just led this team for so long. Sam Thide comes to mind. Another number of other really gifted, talented guys that played during this time. Obviously, Justin Hodges. You know, Israel Folau came and went. Willie Tonga had some unbelievable series in there as well. Some of the guys in this team were unbelievable. Some of the guys that missed out on playing in this team, Jake Friend comes to mind. I mean, he could have played 20 State of Origin games if it wasn't for Cameron Smith. The talent that they had in this Queensland system was mind-blowing. I mean, we look at the the systems now in New South Wales, they've probably got a couple of guys that won't even make the top 20 squad who would probably be in the top eight players for Queensland. It was turned on its head back then. It was the complete opposite way. To New South Wales credit, they did compete in a number of these series, but as a New South Wales fan, I've got to tell you, I very rarely went into a series and thought, maybe we can win this. Maybe we can do it. They just had too many champions on their team, too many absolute legends. It's a record... The one I don't think will ever be broken, and two, I kind of hope it's not, because fuck, if I'm on the end of that once again for eight years on the trot, I will give it away. God, it was hard. Origin, I love it more than anything. But Jesus, it was hard to get yourself up during that period, all the way until 2014. Now, I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. 2014, the New South Wales Blues, they break this record of eight in a row. Now, the reason why I've put both of these moments is there is because 2014 is only great because of what Queensland did before. There's been another, you know, 30-odd years of origin victories by by either state. The New South Wales one was so special in 2014. I'm potentially biased because I am a New South Wales fan. It's the one time where I will say I'm a genuine fan of that team over another team. So happy to be called biased. But I do respect that why 2014 was so great was because Queensland was so good for so long and they just starved New South Wales of success for so long. So for me, it's the end of 
Queensland's dynasty that is the highlight for me. But I say that with the greatest respect to what Queensland achieved. I only ended in 2014 because of what Queensland achieved before that. So if you're a New South Wales fan, consider number two being the record-breaking win by New South Wales. If you're a Queensland fan, consider it that you won eight in a row and that just happens to be where it ended because it was unbelievable. As I said, it will never be equaled in my opinion. I'm not sure if it will ever be halved. Probably this New South Wales team right now has the best shot at doing it. But what Queensland achieved was unbelievable. And for me, being a New South Wales fan, watching Trent Hodgkinson score that try, crazy to think. If you would have said during that eight-year period, hey, the two guys that are going to break this are going to be Trent Hodgkinson and Josh Reynolds, uh, you know, I would have laughed at you. Unbelievable. Obviously, Jared Hayne, he was unbelievable in that series. One of the best Origin series by an individual ever, in my opinion. He was unbelievable. Went on to win the Daly M that year as well. But Trent Hodgkinson, he was the man that came up with the big moment in that game, getting on the outside shoulder of Ben Teal and scoring that brilliant try. I still remember I had a uni exam the next day. I had no hope of making. Had to go back about two months later to redo the exam. And I remember walking in there, it was just me and 10 other blokes. And we all looked at each other and we all knew we were too hungover to do that test that day because of the same reason New South Wales had won that series. An unbelievable moment, 2014, but it's only great because of what Queensland achieved there. So as I said, if you're a Queensland fan, consider moment number two being your dynasty. If you're a New South Wales fan, consider it being New South Wales finally ending Queensland's dynasty. Number one. April 22, 2010. This is my number one most dramatic moment since 2007. And if you know that date, you might be a Melbourne Storm fan because you will recognize that is the day that the salary cap saga broke. What an unbelievable time in rugby league history. Now we look back, the Melbourne Storm in 2010, they'd won the premiership the year before, beating the Jared Hayne led Parramatta Eels in that grand final. They'd lost the 08 grand final to the Manly Seagulls. And then in 07, they had defeated the Manly Seagulls in that one. Now, all of this went back to 2016, I believe. So they, to 2006, sorry. So they were stripped of the 07 Premiership, the 09 Premiership, two or three minor Premierships, couple of World Club challenges, and of course, they were also fined $1.6 million. This was unprecedented, and there was a lot of concern whether the Melbourne Storm would exist after this if they would be able to rebuild themselves. I remember where I was leaving footy training and looking at my phone and seeing that this news had broken and just thinking, are the Melbourne Storm going to exist next year? The day before, they were the most successful franchise in rugby league at that point in time. They were the best team in rugby league by a country mile. The next day, I was thinking, are they going to exist next year? Are they going to be here? And I remember reading in Billy Slater's book, he said a very similar thing. He just didn't know. None of the they were all worried if they were going to exist next year, if Melbourne Storm was going to fall on its sword off the back of this very moment. Incredible stuff. They, of course, had to play the 2010 season for no points as well. You will remember the week it broke. That weekend, it was Anzac Day weekend. They took on the New Zealand Warriors. I think they won 40-6, to and they went on to win enough games to make the top eight anyway quite easily, even though they were playing for nothing. So pretty wild times for the Melbourne Storm, and, of course, off the back of this, they lost a number of players. Some guys off the top of my head, Brett White, Ryan Hoffman, Brett Finch, all these guys, rep players that had to leave their system, but the one that stood out to me was Greg Inglis, and of course that led to moment number five on our list, which was the South Sydney Rabbitohs winning in 2014. For me personally, 
If the salary scap scandal doesn't happen to the Melbourne Storm in 2010, I don't think Greg Inglis ends up at the South Sydney Rabbitohs. If Greg Inglis doesn't end up at the South Sydney Rabbitohs, for me, I don't think they win the 2014 Premiership. And God knows if the Rabbitohs would have won without GI in that time. Yeah, If they didn't have Greg Inglis walk into that system, I'm not sure if they would have won it in any other year as well. And that goes for most teams. If you take out one of their best players or their best player, uh, they probably don't win that Premiership. So pretty wild to think that that led to moment number five in our list. But for me, obviously 2010, the Melbourne Storm, if you're the Parramatta Eels, if you're the Manly Seagulls, you feel pretty robbed just quietly. Obviously, the Parramatta Eels, they were narrowly beaten in the grand final the year before. Manly Seagulls got beat by 20 or so points uh, a few years back. But, I mean, that came off the back of Greg Inglis having an absolute barnstorming game, a guy that had to leave, a guy that we're, we've been pretty assured was getting paid well overs in that team. So, for the Manly Seagulls and for the Parramatta Eels, fans pretty hard done by. I mean, the Manly Seagulls, you obviously won the premiership the year after beating the grand final 40-0, so you got a bit of respect there, a bit of revenge, but that could have been the Manly Seagulls going back-to-back. Yeah, they could have held a very special place in history. The Parramatta Eels, they could have won it from eighth place. Uh, Dare I say, the only thing standing in the way of a Parramatta premiership that year was Craig Bellamy and the Melbourne Storm, and they were playing over the salary cap, so uh, a tough one for Parramatta to swallow, especially now when you consider they haven't won a premiership since, what, 86 and it doesn't probably look like that's going to change anytime soon. So that one is a real stinger, especially off the back of eight years earlier, losing the 0-1 grand final where they were red-hot favourites, probably the greatest favourites in grand final history, realistically, and getting done by Joey Johns and the Newcastle Knights there. So real stinger for the for the Parramatta Eels, real stinger for the Manly Seagulls as well. It obviously leads, though, 2010, 2011, they make it to the finals. But 2012, uh, the Melbourne Storm, they let go of all these guys and they essentially decide we're going to build around three guys. And, geez, they nailed this. As much as you might not like them, as much as you might not respect them, whatever the hell it might be, you've got to respect that they nailed this when they came out of it. They built around Cameron Smith, Billy Slater, Cooper Cronk. And I thought this was the crowning moment in Cooper Cronk's career. I mentioned him earlier being an immortal. That game against Canterbury in the 2012 grand final was amazing. He comes up with one of the best passes we've ever seen to put Billy Slater over to score a try and there's probably more glamorous moments but to come up with that play in that moment a play that we hadn't really seen before and just the trust that Cooper Cronk had in his fullback Billy Slater to float a ball into space where you're trusting another guy to be as a halfback in a grand final it's a huge pun if that guy's not there if he runs the wrong line all of a sudden you're an idiot Cooper Cronk his awareness was just on another level and for Slater just to be there in that moment I thought it was such a fantastic moment in rugby league one that I was so happy to be there for I've posted on the Instagram page a couple of times I think it's my favorite favorite try of all time. If it's not, it's in the top two or three. But I think for better or worse, this Melbourne Storm salary cap drama of 2010, I think it has to be the most dramatic moment we've seen in rugby league since 2007. The storylines coming out of this are unbelievable. We've had Brett White and Brett Finch on the podcast telling the stories about you know, they walk back into the change rooms after this. After they they knew something was up. They were they were training down there on their own. Craig Bellamy wasn't there, and the boys were on their best behaviour because they sort of thought to themselves, "Fuck, he's going to be watching from somewhere here." They got called into the change rooms with a heap of media building out the front, and 
they were told that everything they'd achieved the last few years was being taken away from them. Right, you know, not not saying it was wrong, but as a player, just imagine how gut wrenching that would be. I know a lot of people want to tell me that every player knew exactly what was going on. Personally, I think that's bullshit. Uh, I think that's just people hating on Melbourne. I mean, you show up to your workplace, you don't know the exact salary that everyone's on. I doubt the boys are telling each other exactly how much they're on and adding it all up in a 30-man squad. Just use some common sense. They're fucking ridiculous. But anyway, moment where they're all sitting in that room and their lives are just falling apart, their careers had fallen apart. You know, there was guys crying, there was guys having fights. The range of emotions was unbelievable. And then... You know, they pulled themselves together for that walk across the field. And it's that sort of moment where I remember seeing that and going, shit, God, this team is different. Like, they've been different for a long time. But to come, it was that moment that I, I sort of thought, you know what, this team's going to be okay. And I think the vast majority of people got that vibe when they all walked out behind Craig Bellamy in their absolute lowest point and showed that we're here together, we're going to come out of this and we're going to be okay. And good God, weren't they? They won in 2012. They went on to win another, what, two or three premierships over the next decade, which is incredible in modern standards. The only other team that won three premierships during that era was uh, the Sydney Roosters. So pretty impressive to rebuild from where they were. Granted, they got themselves into it. No arguments there. But to rebuild to where they got to, it's one of my favourite rugby league stories. And I think if you're someone that can look past your hatred for the Melbourne Storm, your jealousy of the Melbourne Storm, you've got to agree that, good God, it was impressive watching them rebuild. Yes, they did the wrong thing. Not arguing that. Not not trying to disregard that in any way, shape, or form. So don't get butt hurt, but it definitely is impressive what they've done. For me, the number one moment has to be the Melbourne Storm salary cap post-2007. And for me, I think we had uh, the Bulldog salary cap drama of 2002. I think that one came in fourth overall. I'm just getting the magazine up again. That one came fourth overall in the first 100 years. For me... I think this one has to be above it. The impact it had on our game was just unbelievable. Both teams, they won a premiership two years later. The Canterbury Bulldogs lost their points in 02. They won in 04. Melbourne Storm lost their points in 2010. They won it in 2012. So both won it two seasons later, which was incredible. But I personally think the Melbourne Storm one was bigger because they had premierships stripped off them. They were in three grand finals in the three years before that, winning two of those premierships. For me, it's a more dramatic moment. I think you could argue that over the 100 years of rugby league, it should be moment number three or moment number two. I probably couldn't have it over the Super League war, realistically. I think I would have it over uh, over number three, which was uh, Dally Messenger signing. Huge moment, no doubt about it. But for me, the impact of that Melbourne Storm salary scap scandal, that just lasted forever, and it had such an impact on our game. One of those moments I mentioned, GI arriving at South Sydney, which gave us one of the greatest moments ever too, which I think that had sneak into the top 10 or 15 ever as well. So it's a bit of a dominant no effect off the back of this moment. Hope you enjoyed this one, guys. Really enjoyed this one for, for myself, making it. It was a bit of a nightmare, as I said. I almost put me in a straitjacket. But if you would like to go back last week and have a listen to the 100 most dramatic moments in rugby league history from 1907 to 2007, it was a magazine that The Telegraph presented about 10 years ago. Go back to last week's podcast. You can have a listen to those. Some unbelievable stories, some unbelievable moments that would only happen in rugby league. Here, I've got my top five of, all, of 2007 until now the most dramatic moments with about 10 or so more at the start of this podcast that I thought deserved to be mentioned.